I V M. Hello and welcome to the Habit Coach podcast. I am Ashton Doctor, your Habit Coach, and today I am super excited because we are going to be talking about how to be interested in things, how to find interests that are so different that they are almost niche in themselves. So today we have a fellow podcaster, Anish Basin, and he has a podcast called A Niche Thing. All puns intended. When I got that joke, I laughed out loud while hearing the podcast. So I absolutely loved it. Good job, Anish, on Thank that you. name. And the whole idea is how do we become passionate about things? How do we become shocking? So Anish, welcome to the Habit Coach Podcast. Well, good to be here. Anish, tell us a little about yourself. Like, how did you get into this? What do you do? So I run a brand called Swami. We make tonic waters, ginger ale sodas. We're the first homegrown contemporary beverage company out of India. My journey actually is pretty straightforward. My father was in the army, so thankfully we grew up all over the country. I went to fourteen schools. Fourteen schools. Yeah, one four, which was great because almost every year you had a clean slate to start <laughs> things over. So uh, if you were, and I was terrible at academics. So when you went to a new school, my first impression would be great with teachers. Mm. Uh, wherever, the exam came. Where, yeah, and wherever you could be a prefect or something, I would always be that. And then the exams would come, <laughs> and the teachers would be like, "Damn, what did we do here?" So, but you got a clean slate every time. But we were lucky that growing up in an army background gave you access to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And again, it was never about money, right? You just got access to things. that sometimes money can't even buy so that was my childhood in uh, 11th standard photography became a very serious hobby for me and uh, by 12th i knew that's what i wanted to do in life photography and, yeah how did that happen a friend of mine his father had a old film camera and we were just playing around with it and i started taking pictures and i took this one portrait of my girlfriend that time and that picture just was there was something about that picture So photography actually would be my first ever hobby as such mm-hmm. and uh, I knew that this is what I wanted to do that combined with being terrible at academics kind of worked in my favor <laughs> so uh, right after that I came to Bombay to learn photography ended up uh, teaching at that place and I was working when I was 18 19 did in not go to college yeah mm-hmm. and I didn't go to college I can't call myself a dropout because I didn't sign up didn't to sign begin up with. To drop out. <laughs> uh, but I did get permission for one day to attend Xavier's. Okay. Officially, so I did that just to see what happens in the college. And from there, photography was what I did for a very decent amount of years, about seven, eight years. But again, photography was the hobby that led me to so many more hobbies because I end up traveling a lot. So I shot a lot for, let's say, Kandana's Traveler, Lonely Planet, a lot of travel magazines. that exposed me to a lot of other places other cultures and then you just kept picking things left right and center so that's my journey in a chair did swami come out because of the army background like i know like gin and tonic is one yeah, staple and, army thing right gin and tonic such a staple army thing uh, i don't know if you know this but gin and tonics are invention from india as you call it indian tonic water so I'll, I'll quickly talk about the story just since we've touched upon it back in the day for a good 300 years quinine was the only cure against malaria quinine is this uh, chinchona tree bark so uh, the british has had to have it because india had a lot of mosquitoes and they're like okay how do we make this thing a little more tasty how about we add alcohol to this not add sugar not anything yeah. add alcohol and alcohol right? then it was still bitter so you add sugar you add lime that was your crude gin and tonic and gin and tonics were being served in india before our first fight for independence before the sepoy mutiny and all of that so 
we've been drinking gin and tonics for a very long time. But photography led me to coffee and wine. Because of travels. Because of travel, you got used to it. Yeah, I still remember uh, I was at a Verona station at like 4 or 5 in the morning. I was staying at some youth hostel outside Verona. So Where is Verona? Verona is about 2-3 hours away from Venice. Okay. So I was backpacking in Europe when I was, this was one of my first trips to Europe. Got to Venice train station like 4 in the morning, everything shut. Uh, waiting for the buses to start so I could go to my youth hostel, which was slightly on the outskirts. And at about 5, 5.30, this coffee shop at the station opens up. And the only coffee I knew was uh, cappuccino, right? That's what you had heard of. So ordered a cappuccino and uh, took a sip. I assumed it would come with sugar, it didn't. So that's the first time I think I actually drank a proper cup of coffee and it just tasted really good. And I was like, damn man, I have not had experiences before. So I had four of those coffees, was super wired. And that's somewhere where the love of coffee started. And then you got more and more and more into that. And I think we'll touch upon coffee and other these hobbies that are very easy to get into. And it's so interesting how coffee is taken off in India, right? Like, I remember before espresso, we had espresso. Espresso. Remember espresso? Yeah, of course. Espresso was how we all drank coffee in the middle of the night yeah. next to one railway station. And, and all weddings would have that. All weddings would have that. I think when Barista and Cafe Coffee Day started, the espresso on the menu would also be the cheapest item, right? So mm. I think a lot of people would go there and order an espresso. And just sit and sit and sit and sit. And and I remember people, like, I've seen this happen in front of me that I've seen people order espresso and then have a fight with them saying this is not what I wanted. And there have been times when I've ordered an espresso and they're like, sir, it's a shot of black coffee. Yeah, are you okay Don't, with that? I, I, okay <laughs> I don't expect this milky, whatever thing, that espresso that we were used to. Uh, but to me, again, the journey of Swami of my life currently, it all started with photography. Mm. Photography led me to an interest in coffee. I think the moment you get interested in anything that's taste-based, you'll open yourself up to other things. Took me to a lot of vineyards. Every winemaker as curtsy would make me taste wine. I had no idea about any of this. You could have given me a 30-year-old whiskey. I would have had a thumbs up and had it. (laughs) So with those wine tastings, again, I got curious, got to learn. And that was my first step in the beverage space that I got really curious. And I started learning, writing, launched an app about Indian wines. And Swami somewhere was a very natural progression from being on the periphery to actually manufacturing and getting uh, more into it. Fantastic. And from there, how would you describe when you choose a hobby to get into? You know, like there are so many interesting things that happen in the world and you travel a lot, you'd be experiencing so many. How do you know, yeah, this is what I want to jump into? I think you have to jump into 10, 20, 30 things and see what sticks, right? What stays with you long term like photography started as a hobby for me in school it still is a hobby yeah it's such an easy hobby for anyone to get into right and now we have phones in our pockets all the time with really good cameras so my suggestion would be to try everything see what sticks long term something might just stick for you for a month like i went through this phase of trying to learn calligraphy Hmm. again easy to do accessible but i gave up after like a month or so so try everything Why, why limit yourself I think this is such an important point because we all need a hobby graveyard. Yeah. Right? You know, like where all your hobbies that did not really pan out into anything go to die. Yeah. And um, I've done a podcast on this and it was like, every month I want to learn something new. Right? And and you have to build that curiosity. And so whether it was making martinis or margaritas on one, in one month or lockpicking because, you know, mar- martinis and lockpicks, yeah. uh, James Bond, we have to. Lockpicking is such a serious hobby though. 
Yeah, it's yeah. becoming huge, huh? Yeah. You get like lockpick kits and everything. Yeah. Have you ever tried lockpicking? No, but I thought about this a couple of months back actually. Don't ask me why, but there is this YouTube channel I've seen a lot called Lockpicking Lawyer. Hmm. And all he does is picks locks. He he takes <laughs> every latest lock that comes out that says unpickable, unpickable, all of that, and he picks them in like twenty seconds. Yeah. So why watch that on YouTube? I don't know, but yeah, it is a. How many hours do you spend on YouTube? I think most of my adult education is YouTube. Is YouTube and right? content consumption is YouTube. YouTube Everything. University. Yeah. You just learn so much from learn it. Learn so much, yeah. And that's and, where and I think hobby graveyards come from. And I think what I really like about YouTube is that when you when you watch something, it starts throwing up similar stuff, mm. and then it becomes a rabbit hole. Mm. And then before you know that, two three hours has just gone into that. But I, for me, that's also a very relaxing mechanism. Do you have any habits around learning from YouTube, or how do you know how to stop when you've gone down too far down the rabbit hole? Do you have anything and tips and tricks for people who are going to learn and get into hobbies? I think my only thing that I'm trying to be conscious is to not perhaps spend too much. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to spend too much money unnecessarily because it sometimes you feel that that's a way to get more and more and more into it. Like if I look at uh, audio, the audiophile hobby, right? Speakers, amps, all of that. That is one you just throw money at it. Yeah, but you don't have to. Mm. You get a good pair of speakers; it it lasts you a lifetime. Yeah. So you don't need, but sometimes when you keep watching more and more like newer reviews and stuff, you're like, okay, should I get this or should I get that? So that's my only thing that there is no compulsion to get anything extra. Otherwise, please go all out, spend as much time because somewhere it all makes a difference. So where does this, the role of these hobbies or this shocking aspect play in your life? How do you think it has developed like who you are as a person? So I think again going back to photography, right? And I'm going to do an episode on this at some point. Why everyone should be a good photographer, not only a photographer, because a lot of those kind of things are takeaways in your daily life. Even if you're posting something on Instagram, how you see light, these are things that will never leave you. They'll be in every aspect of what you do. Like photography, somewhere will play an aspect in anything I do now. It also translates to Swami, right? So uh, when we were doing our, let's say we're doing our bottle design or we're doing a new label, I think. I'm in a better position today to even see what the agency sent me because I have some knowledge of design because of photography than perhaps if I didn't have. Correct. So any of these hobbies just go long term. I'm pretty sure even lock picking will come handy someday when you're locked out of your house. A lot of these are just things that stay with you, right? Uh, which other hobbies can I think of that? Like for me, photography and design is definitely something that always comes into play on a literally on a daily basis. You know, I'd love to pick your brain on this. So let's go through. A list of your hobbies that you have, okay, and three important things that our listeners can take away from that hobby. Okay, okay. like what are the three aha moments you had when you were going down this yeah. rabbit hole of say three aha moments from photography? What would they be? Three aha moments from photography would be that light is everything. Light is everything. Yeah. Okay. Explain. If you shoot in bad light, you'll get bad pictures. Mm. As simple as that. No matter what camera you have, no matter what iPhone you have, uh, no matter how much Photoshop you're going to do. Don't shoot in bad lighting, and lighting can be a complete episode on itself. But let's say it is rainy and overcast, and you want to take a portrait, you'll have to wait for the sun to come out. Mm. There's no other way. You're not going to take a portrait in a gloomy environment and expect it to be great in post production. And I think observing light just comes into play on a day to day basis. Whether you know you're sitting somewhere and someone puts a candle on the table, and you see how that light falls. So uh, for me, the moment about photography would be that, yeah, lighting is everything. There's a reason why 
a lot of weather apps will give you the golden hour in the morning and evening, right? Because okay. that's great light to take pictures. The other hour moment is that it's all about composition. Mm. Uh, you look at motion, you look at movies, you look at pictures, anything that you remember that was really, really well, uh, like like a really good movie for me. If I look at the cinematography, it was composed really, really well. Take a movie like Catch Me If You Can, mm. uh, Leonardo and uh, Tom Hanks. That movie is just lighting and composition. Mm. Whoever's seen this movie, just see it again and you'll know what I mean this time. Look at any Wes Anderson movie, right? It's all composition and just the framing is so immaculate that nothing will be skewed, like everything is symmetrical and everything. So that is one important thing. And the third thing is that photography is a very calming hobby to have. I do think we're in an environment where it's so easy to take pictures that you somewhere take more pictures than you need to. Correct. But if you slow things down and just consciously take pictures and look at them later, it's very therapeutic. In fact, I was having this debate with my father. My father is a photographer, he used to teach. And we were discussing about from film when we can, went to digital, we take careless pictures. Yeah, exactly. And he's saying that, you know, if, imagine if you only could take five pictures yeah. on this, what would you choose? And take pictures according to that. Instead of carelessly taking 35 pictures and ek post me se you know, look yeah, yeah, and you'll do stuff on burst mode and hoping one will stick, One right? will stick. If you were paying 10 rupees for every picture you're taking, you won't take so many pictures. Yeah, I think that's a great way of thinking about photography. Don't be reckless with it. Choose which pictures that you choose and take it. Fantastic. We're going to take a quick break. See you on the other side. Welcome back. All right, let's jump into the conversation. So photography was passion turned into career and then obviously fueled other aspects. What is another hobby that you're very, very passionate uh, about? I think coffee. Coffee. Coffee is a great one. Uh, coffee is so easy to get into. Why did you get into coffee? Why didn't you get into tea? Why didn't you get into... I think tea I'll get in at some point. To me, in my mind, the perception of tea is very different. Coffee is a lot more geeky. Or mm. at least the ecosystem subculture is very geeky. Very geeky. That I don't see in teas. Tea is very farmery. Again, this is a mental block I have and I have to get over it because tea is something I do want to explore. And again, India is a great country to explore teas in. But to me, it seems like we're two old people drinking tea in the evening and having like some sandwiches. <laughs> and the Scones. queen might be around. Like it's that sort of a vibe. So uh, it, it's not as geeky as perhaps I want it to be. But the coffee world is really geeky. Very like, geeky. Uh, there'll be fights that'll break up over whose espresso is better. And you just took part in a competition. The Aeropress Championship. championship. Yeah. What was the funda of the Aeropress Championship? How so, is it so different? Like, So Aeropress is this plastic brewer. For me, it's the easiest way to make good coffee. The most forgiving way to brew coffee at home or office. It lasts your lifetime. That thing is unbreakable. You can carry it on your trips. This guy who invented the Aeropress also invented a frisbee called the Aerobee. So crazy guy who came <laughs> up with this idea of make. And his whole thing was, I just want to be able to make good coffee at home without too much fuss. So with the Aeropress, you can you have some leeway of maybe your coffee is not ground as well as it should have been. Like there are multiple, it's forgiving in many ways. So there's an international Aeropress championship, which is now a global championship. It starts in each country with regions. So I took part day before in the uh, Mumbai leg. So it's a knockout sort of a format. Luckily, I was, so three people brew and there are three judges who pick the coffees. I was number one to start. So I was in the first three to start the competition. Got knocked out in the first round, <laughs> the first uh, five, ten minutes. Did you learn something on like, what was that you, what you did? So, 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 so I'll come, uh, yeah. So basically everyone gets to brew the same coffee. Okay. The beans so, are the same. Beans are the same. 
So you are given the beans one week before the competition. Oh, and you practice and practice. So you can practice your recipe. And when you show up on competition day, it's the same coffee. You can bring your own grinder. You can bring your own whatever you want. But you cannot mess around with water. You can't add sugar or any such stuff. You can you can bring your own Himalayan water if you want to. From some, so you can bring your own water. Yeah. The ju- just, if, hmm. if you don't use their water, the judges will first have to taste the water to approve it. Correct. Which is fair. Hmm. But basically, everyone's brewing the same coffee. And the only variables then are going to be your coffee to water ratio. Hmm. Like your strength of the brew, the time and the water temperature. And that's it. And in the Mumbai leg, there were about 100 participants. Okay. So you have 100 people making the same coffee, basically using the same coffee beans, but you're going to get 100 different varieties varieties out of it. That's become such a global phenomenon. So there'll basically be regional legs, then there'll be a national, and the national India winner will go to Australia for the international competition. Wow. And it's a big, big thing. Like the Bombay leg, yeah, 100 brewers, right from baristas to home brewers like me, it's a vibe. Mm. Fantastic. And I love these subcultures that, that are formed with uh, these kinds of passions. And, and India is a great place to be a coffee drinker right now. We have so much good coffee. It's easy uh, to get access to. It's very affordable. That's the other good thing about coffee. It's a very affordable thing, right? Mm. It's an affordable hobby to yeah. begin with. Like you buy an AeroPress, it'll cost you 3,000 rupees. It's going to last you a lifetime. An average bag of 250 grams of coffee would be three 400 rupees. That'll give you 10 coffees. So yeah, it's a pretty, pretty affordable and a fun hobby. So someone who is right now drinking tea or is drinking Nescafe and was like, okay, I want to now get into this as a hobby. Yeah. Right. What are the first few steps that they need to take? So I don't want to piss off the tea people. So Okay, let's, let's just stick to great. the Nescafe. Yeah, we, we love tea and I'm sure... The instant coffee people. Yeah. Let's move the instant coffee people to better coffees. So even if you have a really terribly made pour over it'll still be the worst pour over I think you'll make will still be better than your Nescafe okay and uh, instant coffee is speciality instant coffee is also becoming a phenomenon now but leaving that aside you need to look at coffee as a fruit okay ultimately coffee is the bean of a fruit a cherry whatever you want to call it from the time you have a whole beans which are roasted the moment you grind them so if you bought pre-ground beans, that means your roaster or some companies already grounded and pack- packaged it. The moment you open that seal, you have a four or five day shelf life mm. in terms of flavor. Okay. If you opened a coffee that was pre-ground and now you're making it even after 10 days, you're basically going to be drinking cardboard dish sort of mm. flavors. Mm. You're not going to get much out of it. It's a very volatile product that way from a freshness and taste perspective. So my biggest Advice would be that get a pour over at home. Again, just from the forgiveness, easy to make coffee factor. You can mess around with a lot of things and still end up with a very good cup of coffee. And so entry get level a, would be pour over? Do you think entry level is pour over? Yeah, pour, to so pour overs, AeroPress, all of these are filter brewers, right? Mm. Basically, they all have a filter. French? I hate the French press. Mm. Why do you hate the French press? It's gritty. It's mucky. Yeah, mm. it is. Mm. So basically with a pour over or a AeroPress, you have a paper filter, right? So mm-hmm. it just takes out or the grit and gives you a really nice, very clean clean cup. My first, on my podcast, the first episode is about coffee. Mm-hmm. And uh, my guest Rahul from Subco, both of us are collectively hating on the French press. So, um, <laughs> oh, the I, French. I, and, and then I got so many messages from other people saying, thank God someone said it. <laughs> uh, but pour over the AeroPress because of just getting a clearer cup of coffee. Understood. But you need to 
grind the beans yourself mm. don't buy pre ground coffee again you can get some uh, like a manual coffee grinder for as low as like 1500 bucks on amazon mm. spend about 4 5000 rupees on your thing and you're sorted for life and then you later upgrade you want to get an automatic grinder later this that you can keep doing but grind your own beans do not buy pre ground coffee and like what anish said about photography i think it's so true for french i mean for uh, coffee as well because it is all about you know making a routine out of it it becomes therapeutic in nature it's a ritual right? you're it's a ritual you're grinding your coffee you're looking out the window then you're doing your pour over and all of that becomes a lovely ritual we do that in office right and the moment you grind the the beans also right the office just smells good it smells good everyone will wait for that coffee it's a ritual yeah it's a ritual so coffee is i think a fantastic entry into different hobbies what is another one that you're very passionate about uh i think sneakers sneakers yeah okay so the whole world of sneakers is again there's just so much cultural aspects to it mm-hmm. like why is a brand like gucci so much into streetwear now why are jordans what jordans are again that goes back to basketball so it's a fun hobby because there's a lot of chatter and conversation about things like i had a pair of jordans that they called the jimmy kilroys and i was like why is it called that and then you figure out that okay that was a campaign he retired and then nike did a whole campaign to show that he was actually still playing in the nba but this guy is to some other player called jimmy kilroy or something like that so it just goes back to those kind of moments right so i think sneakers and streetwear is also exciting sometimes not as accessible as coffee or other things and again a hobby where you may want to spend a lot of money but you don't have to hmm. you can have your two three great pairs of sneakers and call it a day it's just that sometimes you get tempted to pick up more stuff which is again like to me that's a slippery slope that one should be very careful about but fun hobby to be in because so many brands again you just get into why is wearing a vietnamese uh, skateboarding brand hmm. and just stuff like that because ev- every brand has some history or the other and just fascinating to me So these sneakers are not necessarily mind-blowingly expensive sneakers. They can be. They can be as low as six, seven thousand rupees. Okay. You buy a pair of Stan Smiths, Adidas, classic. You cannot go wrong with a white pair of Stan Smiths. Would be what five, six thousand rupees. That would be an entry level into yeah the the sneaker collection. Yeah. And then how would you go about finding out about the history and stuff like that? Again, YouTube University. YouTube. Or... In, oh, there is so much stuff on YouTube. Uh, on how did this. sneakers become a thing? There's a podcast episode for that. <laughs> uh, that's one of my episodes as well uh, on, on my podcast. Again, it's just fascinating. I think for a lot of people, uh, Jordans have been the gateway into sneakers. It comes from basketball, and then again, sports and all of these things go hand in hand, right? So, uh, to me at least, and I'm by no means am I a authority on sneakers and streetwear, uh, but I think for a lot of people like me, basketball had a very big impact. So you were a basketball fan then it moved into yeah the Jordans etc although having said that i think Jordans are really uncomfortable to run in mm-hmm. so i don't know how they were playing basketball in those <laughs> like just running up and down the court probably 2 inches to your vertical but just running up and down the court wearing Jordans uh, highs which i'm wearing right now just it doesn't seem <laughs> that practical So I have uh, PTSD with sneakers because when I was a kid growing up my parents were ruthless on the price of things so they said that no shoes more than 1000 rupees and I was like 
so in my head somewhere it is stuck that you know shoes should not be that expensive so i was at a friend's house and this person had just come in buying four pairs of sneakers from nike and like he's a like a sneaker head and he's asking me what shoes am i wearing i was like something from amazon i don't know yeah. <laughs> like it was the most embarrassing but growing up we had no access to any of this i Nothing. remember and again we we mostly lived in small towns apart from one year in bangalore and then bombay was the only bigger city i'd ever seen but I think we got all Indian brands like Action and stuff like that. That was it. There was there were no other options. Can you become a sneakerhead on Action? Can you start new history for? So I think I think Campus is making a comeback. I'm seeing a lot of hoardings. Mm-hmm. But the funny part is Bata. Mm. Bata has a complete rip off of a Jordan sneaker, mm. and I want to get that just for, <laughs> for that <kicks>. purpose. <laughs> It's an absolute rip off of a Air Jordan Four uh, for four thousand bucks. I actually want to go to a A whole sneaker event wearing that. I think that can be a lot of fun. Chale, let's go buy this. Yeah, it, it'll fall into my budget. It's really funny to see that sneaker. <laughs> I don't know how Bata is doing that. But how do you manage your money with these kinds of hobbies? Yeah, won't it be one like little pit that you build and just keep throwing this, throwing money into it? So let's look at another hobby that can be extremely expensive: hmm. watches. Okay, right. There's no limit on how much you can spend on yeah and watches. Millions. Yeah, you you can spend millions literally on watches, and there's no end to it. But you can also get a mechanical watch for two thousand rupees from HMT, hmm. which will again—it's a classic. You cannot go wrong with it. It serves as a dress watch. Like you can wear it with a suit. You can just wear it casually. So that's a great hobby that you don't have to actually break the bank to get into. Two thousand rupees, three thousand rupees for a mechanical watch. What more do you want? And uh, a lot of that technology is from Citizen. Hmm. So most of the watchmaking know-how for HMT came from Citizen. and uh, of course uh, joint venture between the indian government and citizen and i'm not sure how many other people might have been in, involved in the project but that's how it's so cheap and blows my mind 50 dollars like anyone who's listening from not from india for that price point to get hand wound watches is crazy it's an unbelievable and especially because of them threatening to shut down yeah. everyone suddenly said that's how i got into it <laughs> Did It's, you buy the entire collection? I have about forty-two HMTs. So again, I would not suggest anyone to do this. Yes, <laughs> uh, I did this from that point of view that okay, HMT is shutting down. The value will go up, and uh, no, not from the value. Just said okay, let's just get these. Where do you keep forty-two watches? Any? I have those watch uh, boxes, but, but then where do you stay? Then you have to move out of the house. Watches and things. sneakers and vinyls, <laughs> but what HMT did, and they still do. They they announced some good four five years back that they're shutting down, so everyone was flocking to get HMTs. Everyone as in our hipster whatever community. HMTs website is still live and still has products, and every week some new product will show up. That means that they have they've not shut. So when they announce this, you would end up picking up one watch, two watch, then you would suddenly say, "Hey, this one's back. Must only be one or two, right? Let's just pick it up." And then I joined this one HMT f- Facebook group, which I'm so happy. Like I don't have Facebook on my phone anymore, but they would keep saying, "Guys, there's two more watches that shown up," and then everyone's <laughs> running to buy those. <laughs> so I fell in that HMT trap for a while, and then I was like, "You know what? I have enough. I have two, three. Like a uh, HMT Pilot is a classic one. Uh, this one. So there are multiple names they have. Uh, most of the handbound, the internals are the same, and for the automatic watches, the internals are the same. Then cosmetic changes on the dials." But uh, HMT is a great way to get into watches without breaking the bank at all. You know, and I think this is the whole thing about 
getting hobbies, getting interests. Because overall, you become an interesting person. Yeah. Right? And you can have a conversation with almost anybody you meet because your interests are so varied. It becomes just so easy to talk to people with. Yeah, and uh, so many people have spoken to me because of the watch I was wearing. Mm. And again, none of these are expensive watches. None of them will... I think my most expensive watch must be 20,000 rupees. That's it? That's it. So you haven't sold a kidney yet for a watch? No. <laughs> uh, even what I'm wearing, the Moon's watch, which mm. in resale is selling for like five times the price. I, I've got it on retail, so I will not pay extra for a watch. But yeah, there are watches that you'll spend lakhs and lakhs and crores on. I am nowhere there and neither do I want to be. But it's just fun to find affordable, nice, easy watches. Alright, so that was Anish and we were talking about how to become passionate, how to create hobbies because the more interesting things you do, the more interesting you become. Now this was part one, do make sure you listen to part two. Now if you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can listen to us on the IVM podcast app or ivmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on social media, we are at IVM Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am at Ashton Doc on Twitter and Instagram. We have a brand new habit coaching online course, quizzes, videos and a lot more on the website awesome180.com. So check it out now.